Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Help for Hip Dysplasia podcast. Today with us, we have Christine Miranda. Thank you very much for coming on and being with us today. Hi, good morning. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Um, this has been in the diary for a little while now, so really excited to hear a bit more about Christina's story. Um, we've been through double PAOs um, and one really recently. So we've got a long history to cover and some more recent journeys to go through as well. So when did you first know about hip dysplasia? So my first diagnosis with hip dysplasia was in 2002. And I was actually training for a marathon and I was running about 13 miles up to, I was running about 13 miles a day and I got to the point where I couldn't walk and I was actually teaching physical education at the time too. So that in combination was really hard for me. I was on my feet all day. I was running, I was training and I didn't know what was happening. So I went to see an orthopedic surgeon that I had seen in the past for something not related. And he did an x-ray of my hips and a 20 minute appointment turned into a two hour appointment oh, where wow. he diagnosed me with hip dysplasia right, right then during that appointment. That's so quick. So a lot of people really struggle with their diagnosis. And I know. <laughs> so I, many people. I, Listening to other people's stories, it's unbelievable to me what people go through to, to find out. And I found out that day, that appointment. I mean, just he looked at my x-ray and I actually still have that old black and white x-ray from the day that he diagnosed me. Yeah. So, so that's how I found out. Yeah. So like I said, really, really quick turnaround from having the appointment to the diagnosis. Did the pain start coming on quite quickly or was it a gradual onset over a period of time? How did it, how did it come on? I guess looking back, I guess it was kind of gradual, but now in hindsight, I think those of us that live with chronic pain, we just deal with it. And then, you know, once we, once I got to the point where I was running really high mileage, then it just, it kind of clicked overnight where one day I just woke up and I thought there is something really wrong here and I don't know what's happening. So which that prompted me to go to make that doctor's appointment. Looking back on it now, does it seem, does it seem odd the amount of pain that you were willing to cope with until you got to that point? Absolutely. Even leading up to this second surgery, which I put off for probably too long, Again, living with the pain, like we just put up with so much more than I, I don't want to say like normal people, but I, I just think we, we put ourselves through a lot more than we probably should. <laughs> I, I obviously can relate to that. I, I still have pain in my hip all the time and good and bad days, like I'm sure we all do. But yeah, I think sometimes we maybe don't recognize until we have a completely pain-free time for maybe a couple of days on the trot. And then we're like, oh my God, where's the yeah yeah it's just always there you're always living with it so you have got the diagnosis um on that appointment and then mm -hmm. how long was it until there was the next appointment to discuss what to do about it it was so fast because I went to see a surgeon in San Diego and he actually recommended me to a um, a top surgeon who is kind of world-renowned in PAO surgeries so it was, to me, I thought it was a God thing that I went, I was diagnosed that day. He said, you know, you're actually in the best place to be diagnosed with this because we have a surgeon here in San Diego who trains with, who, and studied with one of the inventors of the surgery. 
And I, it was all just so foreign and new to me. I didn't even understand what he was telling me. So he sent me to my surgeon and I got in, I think it was within a couple weeks. And then my surgery was actually scheduled for like two months later. I mean, it was such a fast turnaround for me. Wow. Yeah. It was okay. incredible. Yeah, I think this is the quickest story I've ever heard. And even yeah, it, I mean, it was so fast. So, <laughs> even so Morton, fast. I don't know if you've heard his interview, but um, Morton Thompson, he had a pretty quick um, turnaround with his. But I'd definitely say that yours is a faster story. So um, within two months, then you had undergone the surgery. Um, what did you do to prep for it? Do you have any advice or support in knowing what to prepare for the surgery the first time around? Yeah, so first time around, the surgeon, he wanted me to lose some weight. So I did that. I followed his guidelines and lost, I lost about 10 pounds. And because I had been running and I was so active, there was really not much else to do. And I didn't really know anything going into it. So I just, I just lost the weight and that's it pretty much. And how did you manage to, to do that? Did, were you keeping active with their dietary changes? What did you do to I just changed my diet at the time and then I, I walked. I stopped running. Obviously I couldn't do that, but I walked. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So that was that was prep work. Did you have to do any um pre-op strengthening? No. no. No, and actually back, you know, 17 years ago when I did it, I didn't he didn't require any physical therapy after the surgery either, which was interesting to me. It's very interesting to me too, which is why this is yeah. a project for me because I had mine twenty-two years ago. Um and uh, yeah, I, as soon as I could walk again, that was basically discharge physio ended. So um, that's why, like I said, this is such a passion project for me. And I just want to help other people to know that there is more out there. and We should be doing more. And, um, you know, sometimes there's not the resources, of, you know, through the healthcare systems to be able to provide it. But there are definitely things that we can benefit from doing in addition to what is provided for us post-surgery. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah. So you've had the surgery. And you had some physio afterwards? I did on my own. I, the first time I sought out physical therapy on my own, even though it wasn't required or recommended, I did it because I knew, you know, with my background and whatnot, that it, that was important for my healing. So I did that and, and it was very beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. So what did they give you in terms of your rehab exercises to, to get you back? The into? first time? Yeah. Oh, I don't even remember. Lots of stretching they, that we did and then light, light um, weights, just movement, basically. Did anything to get you back to normal functional physical strength? Mm-hmm. And the first time around, I was on crutches for almost nine months. It was very, mm -hmm. it was really long. Mm -hmm. It was a completely different surgery, looking back. I was in the hospital <laughs> for five days and it was... It was all, the pain was so much higher. It was just, it was completely different. So now having had two surgeries so far apart, and obviously we'll come to the, to the uh, more recent surgery in more detail. Right. Do you feel like there's quite a difference in the approach that was taken and the management of it in the comparison? Completely different. Completely different. What would you say the main things are that stand out to you as being the most different? So this time I was in the hospital for one day and I've, um, after a week, I started physical therapy, which was required by the doctor. Now there's like a four page handout, which I gave to my therapist, which have all these guidelines and recommendations. And I am five weeks out and I've graduated to using one crutch 
And my pain level is, I have no pain. When I left the hospital, I was on no narcotics and I've been using just Tylenol um, very sparingly when I, when I need it. So it's like I said, it's a completely different surgery. And even when I woke up from surgery, I, I was able to wake up and be coherent and, and talk. And I was talking with a surgeon saying, this is completely different. And just the way he manages the pain and medication. And, and I could see it in his face. He's very proud just saying, I know it's all changed. It's so different. I told you it was going to be different. So. Did you have any bandaging, strapping, um, strapping? I'm, I, there's no casting anymore. I remember when I, I had talked no. to casting from chest down to foot, couldn't bend in the I, I couldn't believe it when I heard that story. That's incredible. <laughs> um, no, but, nothing like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's incredible. So you were up and about and walking and so you went home. That day. Morning. Yeah. Did you have, what sort of transport, were you able to get in and out of the car okay? Yeah, in and out of the car by myself. I just, the, obviously, I couldn't lift my leg. I'm on its own. I use my, my arms to lift my leg. And um, looking back now, I have video of that first week home where I had used my, my right leg to lift my left leg up and down. But now I can, I think by the second week, I could lift it on my own, which was something, obviously, I could not do the first time around. Yeah, of course. So Mm -hmm. going into the second surgery then, which like I said, was five weeks ago and you're five weeks out. Mm -hmm. And how did you feel after you came home you knew what to expect, I suppose, after having had the first one done? Um, What was the, what was the mindset um, this time um, going into rehab? So the mindset was I had mentally and physically prepared myself for the surgery. I got myself into shape. I was working out really hard and cross training and lifting weights. And I got myself physically strong for this. And mentally, I knew what was coming because I had done the surgery before. But um, once, like two and a half weeks in, I didn't realize mentally how challenging it was going to be to be so sedentary after working so hard to get ready for the surgery, even though I started physical therapy, you know, that that's only a little bit of time and just a little bit of movement. So that part has been really challenging for me. So I'm, I'm at home, I'm sitting, I'm reading a lot and I'm listening to lots of podcasts and watching a lot of television. (laughs) And that's, that's all nice, but it's hard for me to not be moving as much. Especially when you love activities so much. Like, so um, I don't know if our listeners know, but you are a PE teacher, I believe. Mm-hmm. Another crossfitter, um, yeah, love the crossfit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, going going back to very little activity in comparison must have its frustrations, I would imagine. Totally. There's some days I just and my daughter she runs cross country and my son plays soccer and so there's some days I just more than anything I just wish I could lace up my shoes and go for a run and and I can't even walk without using one crutch right now so that's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the timeline for you being able to lose the second crutch? I'm not 100% sure. So next week I go back for my six week follow up with my surgeon and they'll do x-rays. And then he had told me after at five weeks, I can use one crutch. And then between that and seven weeks, I can transition to no crutches as long as I'm not limping and I don't have any pain and my gait is, is normal. So, so we'll see, I'll see him on Tuesday and we'll follow up and go from there. Awesome. And then I believe you're doing some hydrotherapy as well. I am. I've been swimming at our aquatic center and, and that's, that's working out. I'm having a good time doing that. 
are you just going in and walking in the water are you doing different strokes or are you doing sort of strength work in the water what are you doing all of the above I'm doing all of those things (laughs) anything that you can possibly do to keep yourself active that's right that's right I have a girlfriend that's meeting me and we're swimming together she's at the end of her pregnancy so this is good for her to swim and be in the water also really nice having someone to work out train with and just have that support with I guess is is a massive boost yeah we started together in the gym so it's nice that that we can be here in the pool together have you had a good support system around you friends family I have. And that's, that's something that I didn't have the first time around. So that's really helpful to me. Yeah. During this surgery. Mm -hmm. It's nice during those down days that I can call those people and and let them know, you know, today really sucks. I need, I need people. And that's amazing to be able to have a group that you can just say that and be like, please come (laughs) just, Oh yeah. Humor me. Let me listen to me. Have a little bit of a moan about my pain. Tell you about what I'm going through, and just offload. I think that's so so important that you've got some yeah. good people around you. Um, it definitely is. Looking back over the journey, is there one one moment that you can look back on and say this was single-handedly the most challenging time going through? I guess for me the second time is, you know, making that final decision to schedule the surgery and just know that I was going to definitely, definitively go through with it. Cause I was always on the cusp, like, well, I could probably go another year, just get another cortisone shot, All go right. through some more physical therapy. Yeah. Because I was scared from the first time around and having been through, you know, such a long recovery and, and knowing, you know, what I had been through so that, that was, that was hard for me. Absolutely. Um, have you got now goals that you're hoping to get back to doing? Like I said, you've got a very, very active history and you've got a history of CrossFit. Are you aiming to try and get back to that? Oh yeah, definitely. So my physical therapist, he actually owns the CrossFit gym that I work out at. So that's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And our kids are in school together, so that's all, it's all fun. And we, we hang out together, our families. Um, so I would like to compete in one of the, um, the gym competitions that they have. Um, the in-house and The in-house competitions, thank you. Yeah, I would like to, to do one of those um, with, with one of my friends as my teammate. So that's something I would like to do. Oh, that's amazing. It's good to have some goals, something to get back to. And, and anybody out there that's, uh, that's not tried CrossFit before, what you probably don't know is that it's such a community-based sport. Like everybody is just so supportive of everybody else at CrossFit. And you haven't given that a go, you know, maybe, maybe head down there and go for a free session or something and see if you can learn how amazing the community is. Because I mean, that was incredible for me for the last couple of years to have that community support from them. So did you find the same? Yeah, it's really fun. And I used to do Olympic weightlifting when I was younger. So it's, I like being able to go back and do that, do that again now here and you know, later on in my life. It's challenging and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and how about work? How long do you have to have off work at this time before you can go back? Well, so right now I'm not working in contract with the district. I'm, you know, I've been able to be home and be with my kids. And so that's what I'm, I'm focusing on right now. 
Lovely. Have that time off. You can really focus on the rehab and family time and just all the stuff that's important to you. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. I would love um, if you wouldn't mind when this um, recording is finished to get the name of that surgeon that you were talking about. I'd love to get him on board, I think. And Oh, like, yeah, for sure. You said it was a world-renowned surgeon. So, uh, yeah, maybe I can grab his name off you. Um, yeah, definitely. He's so great. And actually, when I had my surgery, there was a surgeon, a visiting surgeon from Australia that came to observe my surgery the second time. And so it was kind of fun to have, I got to meet him and he observed it. And then during my surgery, I've never ever met anybody face to face that had a PAO. So it's always been like this, you know, kind of obscure thing to me. And, and um, when the first time I had it, there was, you know, I, there weren't groups and people that I could talk to and, and meet. And so my OR nurse, he had fixed both of her hips. And then there was another girl that came in and now I've since befriended befriended her on Instagram but she also had both of her hips fixed so there was five PAOs in the room <laughs> so it was very fun to be able to talk to all these people and talk face to face and see face to face people that have been through the exact same journey so and in that I also really appreciate this podcast and being able to reach out and hear other people's stories because it's really important that's incredible. And um, I mean, I, I, like I said, I love being able to share people's stories and help people connect and get the support that, you know, some of us didn't have the first time around all those years back. So I believe you've got children. Um, have your children had any experience with dysplasia themselves? Okay, so I do have two children. I have a daughter who's 15 and a son who's 11. And my daughter, I I know that it's um, hip dysplasia is more common in firstborn children, especially girls. So I had my, I asked my surgeon and he recommended that my daughter be x-rayed a couple different um, images. So I had those images done and he was more than happy to look at them and she was cleared. She, she does not have hip dysplasia. So that was a couple, maybe like five years ago. And I remember getting that x-ray and I just sobbed just, I was so so happy relieved yeah just so relieved yeah and now her sport is cross country so she runs and I'm just so happy for her and my son I I haven't had him x-rayed I guess I probably should but he doesn't have any symptoms or show any anything but I'll I'll ask so we did, was it your surgeon that volunteered to have a look for you given your history or did was it something that you had to push for no, I, I asked him and he just, he, of course he said, sure, I'll look, no problem. That's great. Um, I, I think there's a lot of stuff in the press at the moment about the incidents of people being found and people being missed. And um, I'm actually, the, the next interview that I'm doing is with my mum. My mum is going to make a special guest appearance on my podcast to talk about the challenges that she had. Um, trying to get people to take her seriously with finding out what was going on with me um, and uh, there are some really funny stories in there and she's been gradually spilling them to me and revealing some things that I wasn't aware of um, but she had a real battle trying to get things identified and, and pushing for that so uh, it's great that you had a surgeon that you could go to and just say look take a look at these and and support you through that so oh yeah I'm very thankful <laughs>
All right, so we're going to wrap it up for there for today. Um, thank you so much, Christina, for coming on and being a part of this podcast. Um, please help and support, continue to support Christina Miranda Mars on Instagram. And uh, we will speak to you again soon. Thanks very much. Thank you.